Who's excited for the word of the Lord? Anybody here excited for his word? His word is not archaic, is it? Right? It's not old. It's fresh and alive. Our word says of itself that it's living. Amen. Who believes that? The word is living. It is not just words on a page, but they are alive. Let's pick up right where I left off last week. I want to get right into his word. So if you have your Bible, you can open it or you can look to the screen. I just want to read some verses quickly. We're taking our text today from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is probably one of the most famous chapters of the whole Bible. This is David and Goliath. And so we'll just look here quickly. I'm going to get to, I had got right up to the battle of Goliath last week, and then I summed up the sermon. So we're going to come uh, back to that moment, and we're going to pick up where we left off. But just a very quick review. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, that the Philistines, they come and they gathered against Israel. And so verse 2, it says, Saul countered and put his troops. And the Bible says that they end up in a valley. And verse 3 says that they were on opposite sides of a valley. Just have that picture in your mind. Now we have this big valley, and we have the enemy on this side, and we have Israel on this side. And verse 4 says, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, he came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel, and he was over nine feet tall. And it says in verse 8 that he taunted the Israelites, and he said, uh, Choose a man, come down here and fight me man to man, one on one. And verse 11 says that when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So the nation of Israel had been overcome by fear. Uh, this, uh, this, this enemy had come in to oppress them and to control them. And so for 40 days, verse 16 says that's what happened. Uh, they were not necessarily under Philistine control. They each stood their ground on each side of the valley, but essentially Israel was at a standstill, and they could do nothing because the Philistine uh, warriors were standing on the other side of this valley. So it says in verse 24 that as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. And verse 26 says, and, and you can look, if you want to listen and review this deeper, you can go and listen to last week's podcast when we got into this in depth. Verse 26 says that David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine? And he said, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And then he says in verse 32, he says, don't worry about this Philistine. David tells Saul, I'll go fight him. In verse 33, Saul, and this is where we left off, Saul said, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. And I want to make a point here. We looked last week that what Saul said was a fact. Everybody say it was a fact. It's a fact that the enemy is stronger than your flesh. It's a fact. You know, we don't 
like to we don't major on Satan, we major on God. But it should be mentioned, we should be fully aware. The Bible says, do not be caught unaware. Who knows our, our Bible? That the enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We should know that our enemy, he does not sleep. He does not stop. His goal your entire life is to pull you back down into the pit God came and rescued you from. And so you need to be aware that, uh, that your flesh, this is something we need to be reminded of, is no match for the enemy. Who knows your flesh failed every time against the enemy. And every time we get into our flesh as believers, we fail. And so when Saul stated this, he was stating a fact. But we believe in truth over facts, don't we? There are many facts that the world majors on today, but they deny the truth. The truth is that Christ is alive, amen, and that he's coming again. The facts are that the world is in a dark place, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better, does it? Things are getting worse and worse and worse. You can turn anywhere in the world and look at some sort of a crisis. But the truth is that God is still on the throne. He has a plan. He has a purpose. Amen. And so we, I just want to remind us, first of all, that there are facts and that there is truth. And secondly, that the enemy is always trying to do something, and he is winning in the flesh, but we as believers are going to stand up like David's about to, amen, and, and we're not going to let the enemy control us just because he thinks he can control the world. And that's now Saul, who's also in his flesh, that's its own story, right? Who knows the Bible? And Saul is in the flesh, so Saul does what he thinks he should do and says, you know, we're going to put some of our armor on you and try to protect you in fleshly armor and in human strength. That's all I know how to do, right? The Bible says what? The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord left Saul, and Saul had gotten into the flesh. Saul had become, Saul had walked away from God. God did not, it's not that God didn't love him. He still loves Saul, and he loves the nation of Israel, and um he, David still calls him God's king, but the Spirit of God had left, and, and Saul had got into the flesh, so all that he thinks I can, all that we can do is, is put some armor on you, and so David tries to put it on. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit, right? He says, I'm not used to him, and so he takes them all off, everything off, and David assures Saul in this little paragraph here, he says, it's not that I'm going to fight him. He said that a bear would come, and, and I would grab it, and I would kill it. A lion would come, I'd grab it, and I would kill it to defend my sheep. But it wasn't me doing it. He said, it was the Lord who rescued me, verse 37, from the claws of the lion and the bear, and he will rescue me from this Philistine. And so let's begin today. We see here that... After 40 days of taunting, finally a young man, a shepherd boy named David, is about to fight Goliath to end the oppression he's put on the people. And so I want to just review two points that I majored on last week. So I just want you to take note. There's two points as we get deeper into this today that I want us to look at. Point number one, David's strength came from the Lord. I want you to say that out loud with me. David's strength 
came from the Lord. The Bible says very, very clearly, you can go through all of the Psalms, you can go through the writings of David, that, that David put God first. David knew who God was, and because he knew who God was, I want to say this, he knew what God could do, and so he pointed what his, his knowing God and knowing what God can do and pointed it at Goliath to know what God would do. I'll say that again. He knew God. I'll say it simpler. He knew what God can do because of what God did do. Amen. So uh, the second point I want us to, to uh, take with us as we go in deeper today is this. So firstly, it's David's strength came from the Lord. And the second point is that the person you are today requires the person you were yesterday. I want you to say that out loud. Say, the person I am today required the person I was yesterday. So as we go deeper, I want you to remember these two points, that the, the uh, David's strength came from the Lord, and the second point is that is this, that we are who we are because we were being developed. God was doing something with us. It's important, and you can listen deeper to this last week, but it's important that we don't run from our troubles. Many times we come up against troubles, and we think, man, you know, what did I do? Why did this happen? This is so-and-so's fault. This is not my fault, or it is my fault. And we think, how do I deal with this? And we're, we're asking some of the wrong questions. Sometimes what's going on in your life is actually allowed by God to grow you. Now, it's not there to hurt you. It's not to make you suffer. But God allowed the lion and allowed the bear. And in the, in the moment that they came, you would have been saying, God, why did you allow a lion to come in to try to steal my sheep? And then he would be saying, God, why did you allow a bear to come in to try to steal my sheep? And I felt like I dealt with this, and it came again. And sometimes we think we're just going to put our head down, we're just going to trust God, and, and God's going to do it. And, and what we need to realize is just because you are trusting God does not mean your head is in the sand. Anybody get this? Anybody been there? We must face the issues that come at us head on. The first thing to do is get before the Lord. We humble ourselves, Lord, have I opened any doors? Are there areas in my life that have allowed these things in? That's the first thing we should do. And David, knowing God, whose heart was after God and knew that his relationship was God, with God was right, and that was, not the, that was not the reason, but that should be your first thing you do. And when you figure that out, I mean, this is all within microseconds, right? Because here's the lion, here's the bear. No, really, it's the time after, right? You deal with it, and then you're sitting there, and you're wondering and wondering and wondering. And in that time, we need to say, I need to face this, because this is what I just really, I was meditating on this, and, and we're going to get deeper into this, but it's important that we're diligent in everything we do. Because the reason that the Lord uh, allows troubles and that we must face them is that there are greater troubles coming. Now, who wants, who's, who's encouraged today? I'm just going to encourage you. You ready? Greater troubles are coming to your life. Now, is that something that we're going to be discouraged by or encouraged? Why am I encouraged? 
because David encouraged himself in the Lord. We're encouraged in the Lord. The Lord will not allow you to face a trouble, a trial that you don't have the strength for. Praise God. Now, if you have run from God every step of the way, you try to do things your own way every step of the way, and every time something happens, you blame, 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 and you don't deal with it, and you just let the sheep get taken, and now all of a sudden there's Goliath. Who's going to stand up to him? But David dealt with the issues that came against him personally. He dealt with them, and it was actually a strength that God was building for tomorrow. It was very important that he dealt with today because it was going to be part of his character. No matter what we do, we should be willing to learn. We should apply ourselves, and we should do it to honor God because of this. You have no idea what God might be training you for. I'm going to say that again. You have no idea what God might be training you for. It's really amazing because, you know, the Bible just says a statement. He just says to Saul, well, the lion came and I killed it. The bear came and I killed it. And we're just like, wow, what an amazing young man. It's so simple, right? You ever stop and just listen to Bible stories and, you're, and you, know, you read them? You ever stop and just like listen to it in your mind, kind of play it out, put some scenery out there, get out in the pasture, picture the sheep, picture the lion, picture the bear, and now all this, there's a little bit more context, right, Michael, a bear coming at you, right? When you're near a bear, you have one of two options, right? We literally have terms, fight or flight, right? You have one of two options. You either just... Just stay calm and get out of the scene. Or the bear doesn't allow that, and you have to face it. And David uh, is facing these things head on, which is uh, pretty amazing. You know, we're just like, wow. You know, he just he says, I just I grabbed it and I killed it. And you kind of stop and you think and you wonder, uh, uh, I wonder what was going through your mind when you're staring at that lion. Were you afraid? Were you looking at that lion just thinking, I need to protect the sheep and I might lose my life? Did some sort of instinctual thing just kind of just click and all of a sudden you're just doing? That's how Dawn is. Dawn's just instinct. Dawn doesn't even think. She just, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a problem. And Aaron, our, 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 when Aaron was a baby, fell into a swimming pool. And uh, we told him, you're not allowed to swim in the pool without us. But... He fell or he went in. We don't know. It was only seconds, but he's laying face down, you know, and drowning. And I'm still holding the towels, processing what's happening. My mind's saying I need to go get him out of there. But before my mind even, I put the towels down, and it was probably in one second. It was probably pretty quick. Dawn was already in the water, full clothes on, and rescuing him. So somewhere on an instinctual level, Dawn just did what needed to be done. And, you, and, and what I, the reason I'm bringing that up is that there is a DNA, there's a part of your code. God has wired each of us differently, but God has put in your code, God has put something there, gifts and abilities, and David's ability was going to be to take down Goliath. 
and God had wired it in. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't do it, though. This is what I'm trying to make. I don't know what went through his mind, whether he had fear or didn't have fear, or it was just instinctual. But he did what he needed to do. Praise God. You need to face whatever it is in your life, and it will be different than someone else's life. But if you don't face the troubles, I promise you, they will come again, and they will come greater. Now, who has faced an issue? God helped you do it, and now it's not an issue anymore. So I don't want you to be discouraged when I talk about other trials and greater things that will come. I want you to be encouraged that God got you through it, and now that thing is not an issue in your life, and he can do it again for even greater things. He wants to, and we're going to get into why. So picking up here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says, uh, verse 40, that he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So I want to merge right from our, our point that I was just making into my next point, which is you are who you are. I want you just to say, I am who I am. David was a shepherd. God put him in those fields. Now, David may have just thought, well, I was born into this position, and I just happen to be the youngest. Everybody else is off now in Saul's army, and it's my job because there's no one else here to do it. And just kind of thought, this is just a job. It's just, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. And yet it was going to, be so, it was going to matter so much to who he was. In fact, even Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, right? David's psalm. Where do you think that came from? I mean, the Lord literally taught him his ways by the job that he had. And I thought this was so interesting because God put him in those fields to prepare him for this time. I want you to say out loud, God has prepared me for this time. I want to encourage you today that even if you have not prepared so far, and if you have not done what you needed to do to get you to the place you are now, and you feel like you came in here a wreck and a mess, and I should have done this, and I should have done that, I'm not prepared. I want you to know this. Christ rose from the dead. His blood was shed for you. I want you to be reminded, and that's really what we're going to focus on today. It's not you anyway, it's him. And it's time to face some things in your life, and God wants you to face them. You ready for this? Because this is part two. So he prepared you yesterday for today, but he's preparing today for tomorrow. So if you feel like today's a mess, don't just lull you know, around and, 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 and I think it's wallow around is what I meant to say. Wallow around in your misery right? And, and, and just think, man, all this mess and all this. Your tomorrow matters for today. It's time to pick up some pieces. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to get to know him. It's time to know who he is and know what he has for you and know his plan for you. And if you've messed it up so far, the, the amazing thing about the cross, and we t I prayed this during worship, you know, the Lord wants us to, to be warriors for his kingdom. We are soldiers in the kingdom of God. We are not really designed to constantly be at the cross Oh, forgive me, Lord, and get back up. Although, I need to state it again. God loves that place, and he'll do it. I don't, I'm going to make up a number because it's beyond number a gazillion times. God will forgive you at the cross and pick you back up every single time. It's without limit. 
But that's not really what he wants from us. He wants us to walk with him, to know him. And, and it's still a life of repentance. Who repents every day as a mature Christian? Every single day. Every time you get in the car, you should be repenting if you are a mature Christian. You would be repenting after you park your car. Lord, forgive me for all of my thoughts with all the other drivers. Praise God for grace and mercy. And so it's not that we're not depending on his grace and his mercy. I'm just saying the Lord wants us to pick those pieces up. Today's a day to say, you know what? Tomorrow matters, and I need to start preparing for tomorrow. I need to know God now. I need to deal with whatever I need to deal with now because there are other Goliaths. There's other things. Goliath, you know, was just the beginning. That's really the point of today's sermon I want you to get. Goliath really was just the one thing that David faced as a boy. No big deal, right? The whole nation couldn't even face it, right? It's one of the most famous stories of the whole Bible, yet it's really just the beginning, isn't it, Dan, of David's story. There are still other giants to be killed, and they do. And there are, there are literal nations to be conquered, and they do. There's going to be Saul who's going to pursue him for the next you know, 10, 15 years, depending on how you break it down with him and his son. And there's going to be war, there's going to be trial, there's going to be stuff going on. This is just the beginning. And so we must face today, if you weren't prepared so far, so I hope we get that point, but this is the point, this, I'll just bring it together, that he was a shepherd and God was using him to deal with Goliath, but also God was going to give David a massive human flock. David was trained. There was a few things that happened out in this little field. Remember what his brother said? His brother said, why don't you go back to those few sheep? Remember the jealousy of his brothers and, and calling him prideful? Meanwhile, David's not prideful. He's as humble as can be. But the Lord was actually training him to fend off the enemies and to care for his flock. And now you would have just thought, you're getting all that from sheep and a staff and a sling? And yet that's exactly what God does. And it's very interesting. We have a term we use to describe our careers. What do we say? We say, what field of work are you in? And I assumed that this term came from what I thought it did. So I did a little research, and it's exactly what I assumed. It's because it used to be, what field do you work in? They would literally be pointing down the road or to another town. Oh, I work in that field. That's my field. That's my field. And so it became a term as careers were developed and, and professions. That field kind of stuck, right? They're not really fields, right? If you're a doctor, there's no fields around unless you look out a window, right? Or you're in Africa. There's no fields. It's all just concrete and, and machinery. But the, the term field has stuck because it means where are you? What do you do? And this is very interesting because uh, it's a necessity, this field. We need to do what we need to do within that field because of why? Because just like they had to work the field to survive, if, you don't, if you're not diligent in whatever that field is, come on, just I want you to say it out loud, say I have a different field than the rest of you, right? We're all in different fields, and so was David. And yet it was exactly what God was using to develop him for what he would use him for one day.
And you might be thinking, well, I don't know how God's going to use my job. I don't know how he's going to use my situation. I don't even have a job. I'm just raising kids. And that's the most important job that you could have. But the world would say, you don't have a job. You don't have a field. And yet it's the field that God has for you for the next generation. So God is using your field to prepare you for something in your future. I want you to say it out loud. God is using today to prepare me for my future. You are who you are, and you don't need to be anything or anybody else. I need to say that very clearly. You just need to know who you are in God, and that's it. Nobody, don't let anybody define you. Don't let anybody tell you who you are. You are who you are in God. God let God define you. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into that point, hopefully. But we're all different. God has trained us all differently with different skills and abilities. So the Bible says David picked up the stones like he was trained. He picked up his staff. He picked up his sling. He picked up his stones. He's, this is all I know. I know I can defeat this giant, but I can't do it any other way than the way that I've been trained. And it didn't seem spiritual before, and yet now God's going to use it for something that's going to change a nation. Before, it was just my little sheep, and it affected my father's livelihood, but now it's going to affect a nation. So it says in verse 41, moving on, that Goliath, who's, who's getting anything out of this? When we take the word and we just break it down, I know it's, this is not quite preaching preachy, but um, um, I'm kind of breaking down this chapter. I saw so many points in this chapter and felt like we needed to go into this. So uh, just bear with me again. I feel like the Lord's speaking through us, or to us through these uh, chapters today, through this chapter. Wow, if I can get these words out. Verse 41. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. I just want to point out again that the entire nation of Israel was afraid of this man, this beast. He was more like a beast than a man, but they were afraid. Even, you know, King Saul, who God had anointed and God had placed him in that position, uh, he was afraid as well. Like we have already talked about, you can read in previous chapters, he had lost the Spirit of the Lord, but David had been anointed. David had a visitation from Samuel and didn't even realize what was happening, went back to the sheep again, went back to his field. It's, you know, sometimes the Lord comes and he does something impactful in your life at a young, as a young age. And you think, man, what was that? And it was something supernatural that happened in you. And one day it begins to spark and begins to grow, and God's going to use it for this time. And so here he is now uh, with, as a young boy with a stick, he says, am I a dog? You come to me with a stick. He's looking. He's like, I don't see a sword. I don't see any armor. I just see a boy. And Goliath's thinking, I'm just going to kill you. This is going to be quick. This is going to be easy. And I'll take the next, uh, next opponent, please. But I thought this was interesting. Began to meditate on this. You know what else God used a stick for? Who, who remembers Moses? All it was was just a stick. You think his staff was handed down from heaven? Right? God didn't give him a, a, a stick from heaven. You know what that is? That's just a symbol. All it was was a symbol of God's power. 
with a man. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is within us. Praise God. That's what the word says. Jesus came. He paid the price. He shed his blood. He said, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives with us. And now we're just a boy, a young girl, right? We're just children, right? We're just God's children. And the enemy can look and, and see now that those are just children, but there's something different, <laughs> something different about these children. Praise God. We have what looks just like a stick, doesn't look like much to the world. The world makes fun of you. The world thinks, you know, who are you? You're going to go change the world, right? As soon as you start seeking the Lord, then they want to nitpick and pick apart every little part of your life. And then they pretend like they're not paying attention until you say the wrong thing. And then you realize they were paying attention all along. So, you know, the enemy comes and he looks at you, tries to judge who you are, judge what you have. But there's something that God's given you. Praise God. God's given you something supernatural. It's not just a stick. You are not, it's not just nothing. The, the things that he put in your hand, they look like nothing to the world. And they're going to judge them. The world's going to judge your life. Again, I'm, I'm going to pick on the mothers taking care of the children in here again. The world's going to look and say, you should go get a career. You should go do something special with your life. You know, carve out your identity. Don't let anybody else identify you. And you should be, you know, something big and powerful and, and think, belittle a mother. And the enemy is going to look at you and say, you're just a, a little girl with a little stick, right? And, but the, the, the Lord has called you and has put something within you and put something. He's, it's just a stick to the world, and yet it's something so powerful. Moses took that stick, just that staff that was nothing, and he turned water into blood. He parted the Red Sea. He, he, he pointed at a rock and caused water to be released from it. So it's not the stick, it was God. God, our word says in the New Testament that God has given us mighty weapons. Come on, praise God. Who knows it? Let's just testify. He has given us mighty weapons, what? For pulling down strongholds. God has put himself and it might not seem like you have something, but God has put within you. Come on, and it's time to, to recognize what God has put in you. The enemy is going to try to belittle you. And that's where we're going to get into here. It says, I want to just note right here that David has been accused. He has been diminished by his own brothers. King Saul called him just a boy. And now Goliath is taunting him directly. He heard the taunts indirectly, but now it's targeted at him. And I was just meditating here that David has already fought. At this moment, when he just came and stood against Goliath, he fought against the battles that many quit. And these are the battles. The battle of the mind. The enemy will try to intimidate and belittle you before you ever do anything. He can see... Because Goliath was just the man, but who was behind Goliath? You know what the Bible says? That Goliath cursed David in the name of his gods. You know, there's not a verse in the Bible that's by accident. You know why that's important that we get that? Because Goliath was the man. He was the representative. David was the man. He's the representative. But really, this was a battle of gods. Little g God and God our God. Praise God. And so when Goliath... 
taunted him and accused him and pointed the world. The world just doesn't understand you. And the world accuses you. The world diminishes you and belittles you. But it's really Satan behind them. Even sometimes it's loved ones who belittle you and accuse you and diminish you. And they don't, you, they're not even responsible. The Bible says that we don't war against flesh and blood. It's not really flesh and blood, right? But there's powers and there are things behind that flesh and blood. The devil will use sometimes people you love. Don't hold it against them. It's just the enemy to try to belittle you and intimidate you so that you don't stand up and do anything ever. Make you feel like, what do I have? Who am I? Who am I? But wait a second. What if David listened and said, wait a second, you're right. Who am I? How could I possibly think I'm going to fight Goliath with this stick? Maybe I am just a boy and a stick. And, and this is really just a sling and some stones, and I'm not going to be able to fight this giant. And we must fight the battle of the mind, the battle of intimidation. And finally, this is the battle that he fought and won, that we must fight and win which is the battle of letting other people tell you who you are instead of letting God give you his identity. God had already given David an identity, and David knew who he was in God. But the enemy will try to give you his identity. Come on, that's what we're talking about in the world today. There's a lot of talk about identity, them trying to give you their identity. You need your identity to be given to you by God. Let's make this clear. It must be in God and defined by God. I'm just going to move here quickly. Our clock is always ticking fast. So David replied to the Philistine. He says, you come to me with sword, spear. This is verse 45 and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Who's encouraged when you read these verses? Man, I read that and I'm just so encouraged. That's what we need to realize. Now, you are no match for the enemy. You are no match for Satan in your flesh. You think you're just going to go storming around and you're going to mind over matter or you're just going to control your impulses and, and you think you're just going to be strong. You are no match for him in your flesh. You need to understand that it is only in humility and repentance and coming to the cross, coming under the blood that we come to this place where we learn to know God. David knew God. So when the enemy said what he said to him, you know, who are you? You're a dog. I mean, am I a dog? You're just a boy with a stick. And David's replying, you know, you're also, you think you're so powerful. You've got the sword. You've got the spear. You've got the javelin. You certainly look like there's no match against for me against you. But I come to you in the name of of the Lord. It is the name of the Lord that we must realize that's your only strength. It is, you know, the, even the church is trying to redefine. They're afraid of the name Jesus, and they're taking it down. The name Jesus is trying, they're removing it from churches across America, and, and as far as I know, into, certainly into the Western world, but across the world, trying to remove it, make it more, maybe more social, maybe more available to everybody, 
being afraid of this name. And it's a plot of the enemy to remove the cross, to remove the name of Jesus, and to make the church just a big social club. Because what we don't even realize is the enemy is, is taunting, he's trying to intimidate, and he's, and he's so big and powerful, I'll crush that little church. You know, you're not going to stand with your sign, Jesus. I'll pull that sign right down. And we need to stand right now. We need to say it's the name of Jesus. You can come to me in the flesh. You can come to me with your weapons. But it's the name of Jesus. It's the name of the Lord that I stand with. And he says, 40, verse 46, man, this shepherd, this little shepherd boy, he is quite bold about his words, isn't he? He's not afraid to speak out. He says, today. The Lord will conquer you. He's so uh, bold and confident in the Lord. And it says this. It says, comma, because I want to make this point in, in, in a moment, but I want you to take note of this. Today, the Lord will conquer you, comma, and I. Everybody say, and I. This is important. The Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you. The Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you. And I'm just going to read the paragraph first, and then we'll come back to this as I wrap up. And I'm going to cut off your head. Wow, this is amazing. You got this nine-foot-tall giant. You realize, you know, when you go up nine feet, it's not just nine feet. It wasn't a string bean, right? You know, realize nine feet also meant you know, he was probably a good four to five feet wide. It's quite a giant. And he says, the Lord's going to conquer you. I'm going to kill you and cut off your head. And he says, and then I'm going to give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Wow, it's so powerful. We should read these verses and be encouraged. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. And then it says, verse 48, Goliath moved closer to attack, and I love this, David wasn't just good at speaking, right? It's not all mouth and no show. David says, it says that David quickly ran out to meet him. Goliath makes a move and David goes running for him. He's reaching, just picture this. He doesn't even skip a beat. He reaches into his bag and pulls out a stone in stride. And he hurls it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Wow, it's so powerful, isn't it? To be encouraged just to read these verses. I want you just to, just to hear this. This is the Lord's battle. Don't think that you did anything to overcome anything. You know, and you can testify, I was in a bad place, and I prayed, I sought the Lord. It was a battle. It was tough, but I got through it. He brought me through it. He dealt with things in me, and I dealt with things in me, and, 
and I moved on. But I'm taking that same strength that I gained in those micro battles, right, for this bigger battle ahead of me. And I knew it was the Lord then. And so I know his strength. I know his power. And I'm going to direct it towards this situation now. Even though this is bigger than what I've ever faced before, the same God who's delivered me, he was Lord and he's still Lord, right? Just very quickly because I'm out of time. But Ephesians 6, it tells us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's not your own strength. We picture putting on the armor is something we're doing. It's not something you're doing. The first verse, verse 10, before it says verse 11 to put on the armor, it says verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Anything you're putting on, we put on that shield, uh, the helmet and the shield and the sword and the belt and, the, and, and so on. That is not you. You're putting on God. And then after the battle, it says you'll be standing firm. Zechariah chapter 4, it says it's not by might, right? It's not by force, it's not by strength, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the Lord's battle, it's his strength, and it's his glory. And now I want to just, I want to go back to that comma. Let's go back to that comma. And what, what's it say? It says that the Lord is going to defeat you. Verse 46, and I will kill you. I want this to be very clear now. It's the Lord, and yet you have to do it. God is God. He sits on the throne. He's so powerful. He went to the cross. He set the Holy Spirit. He puts his angels around you. Amen. He, he, he called us to, have, to give us, to assemble together to protect us. He gave us his word, right, so that we don't ever wonder. What is the way? What is the right way? He's given us, my word says, and so does yours, everything we need. Who knows your word says that? Your word says he's given us everything we need. There's nothing you lack. And in fact, a person that walks with the Lord, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's nothing you face that you cannot handle. So you have everything you need, and there's nothing you can't handle. And yet you have to stand up, and you have to do it. Come on, the reason so many end up walking away from the Lord is very simple. I either want what I want or I don't want to face what I don't want to face. Plain and simple. We need to stop trying to sugarcoat it and trying to make all these excuses. Well, you don't understand and there's lots of this and that and hurts and, and it's this fault and that fault. It's just time to stand up and say, Lord, you've given me everything I need and there's nothing that's in front of me that I can't face in your strength. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And I'll just close with this verse. This is powerful. This is so powerful. 1 Samuel 17, verse 51 says this. It says, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. A ripple effect began to happen. A wave is about to occur. One man who stood up for righteousness, one person who says enough is enough, enough living for the world, enough letting the enemy rule in this valley. One person, and the Bible says that the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph. It's like your baseball team. This is, I think this is so funny, but I get it. 
your team, you know, everybody says my team, you got the bumper sticker on your car, you're not playing the game, no one's out there running the bases and hitting the ball, but that's your team. And you cheer like it's your team, like you had something to do with it. And that's exactly what happens here. He encouraged them. They joined together in the triumph that the Lord did through David. Now suddenly they're filled with strength. They're filled with tenacity. And the Bible says that they chased them. And, they, and it, we don't need to look into it. You can go in your own time, but they chase them into the far borders. They chase them into their own territory. And it says the bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from uh, these towns and that town and that town. Something happened. David inspired others to put aside their fears and take on the enemy with God's strength. I want to say this. Yes, when we conquer our battles, there's a personal victory. And yes, there is personal gain. But it's much more about God's plan and God, God's purposes than us. There's not one story in the Bible, the entire Bible, there's not one story that it was about them. They did get personal victories. They had personal gains. But it was always about the next generation. It was always about the nation. It was always for somebody else. Every single story is always pointing to the next generation. And so because there are people all around you waiting without knowing it, because when they see your miracles, when they see your sacrifices, the risks you've taken and that you've looked like a fool, but then suddenly God shows up in your life, they will follow God and he will use them too. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word. I thank you for the power of your scriptures. I thank you that your word says of itself that it's living. And so there's life in this room today. We spoke life. Thank you, Lord, that our word says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came to give us life abundantly. So every plan and purpose of the enemy that he's tried to put around our lives and to give us direction and try to point us here and point us there. I thank you, Lord, today that you are redirecting our steps away from his plans, away from his purposes. Thank you, Lord, and towards you, towards what you have for us. And I thank you, Lord, that as a church, we're regrouping, we're gathering together. Lord, all of wherever we are, whoever we are, Whatever's happened in our life, I thank you, Lord. We're not going to blame. We're not going to point the finger any longer. We're not going to be frustrated. But we're going to look ahead and say, Lord, I want you to use where I'm at. Lord, use me. And I thank you, Lord. You're going to develop us and encourage us and strengthen us for what you have. Thank you, Lord, in our future. And it's not just for us, but it's so that there would be many, Lord, that would turn to you and know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.